Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Big breaking news from Chelsea. Julian Nagelsmann is out of the running to be the next Chelsea manager. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room filled with some lions. I've got Ollie and I've got Chris. There might be no Chelsea football this weekend, but there is an At The Bridge Pod to help guide you through the week that was and more <laughs> uh but first but first what what are you two looking forward to this weekend <laughs> i'm actually looking forward to us not playing <laughs> well <laughs> not where else. is the positivity i know i know i've also got some friends coming to visit me so maybe i'll say that instead <laughs> it really is <laughs> what about what about you chris uh, just a usual weekend for me, to be honest. I am quite glad Chelsea aren't playing though, because I can use my time more effectively, do some washing or something. Ooh. And also, by yeah. default, it means our weekend isn't ruined. Yeah, that is true. I can do. We can all do something more fun, like watch some paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a new sound drop, and I'm using it. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. It it to me to me for me. It's got to be the At The Bridge Pod Derby. It's 3.30am British Standard Time on Sunday. It is my Seattle Sounders against Ollie's Minnesota United. A game. You're going down. A game. Hey, this is a game that will go down <laughs> in history as one of the games being played this weekend. You, uh, you, are, <laughs> you are going so down at this game that I definitely knew was happening this weekend. Well, yes. Well, I'm glad someone has, uh, someone has informed you. I mean, look, Sounders have won the last three clashes. Minnesota, they're coming off back-to-back defeats, the MLS. It's going to be a wild one. I am, I, I am secretly quite confident with this. But then again, yeah. I was secretly confident last weekend and we lost 4-1. So. Renoso and Jong San Bin are going to absolutely tear you apart. Let's hit the news. It's that time of the week as we check out the news that you may have missed in a very long elevator of Chelsea news. Chelsea players were reportedly taken aback by Mikhailo Mudrik's entry into the dressing room ahead of their win over Palace in January. Atletico fear that Chelsea will send Jao Felix back without any interest in signing him. His performances are concerning. Some Chelsea players have privately questioned their futures ahead of the summer window after a disastrous season. Luis Enrique is now not among the leading candidates for the permanent job. Nagelsmann has dropped out the race for our next boss. Chelsea's Champions League exit has left some players facing the prospect of pay cuts of up to 30%. And finally, in the news, Didier Drogba has shared his feelings about the club in its current state. Now, now, I'm going to pull rank here because we are going to get to... We're going to end this section with the manager chat. But first up, Didier Drogba was speaking to Canal and he, he had this to say, if you haven't already heard it, listeners... I knew this club with a certain class during the Abramovich era, but today I find it lacking. It's very hard for me to see how they got rid of certain people. They should go back to the principles and values they had. I don't recognise my club anymore. Now, guys, that 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 bloody line of I don't recognise my club anymore has been pushed out on Twitter so many times that I am um, it's in it's just ingrained in my memory. What what, what did you make of all these quotes? I mean, he's not wrong, is he? Do do any of us really recognise the club as it was a year ago or two years ago? Not really. You know, I I think it he's perfectly justified to say that. And Jogba will know better than anyone what the club is supposed to be and represents. And if it doesn't match what he think it does, I'm I'm inclined to agree. Hmm. What, what what do you think, Chris? I agree. I, he's not wrong, is he? Like, I just think it's. Uh, it it's difficult because I think under Abramovich the the club that everyone recognised was one that was constantly striving for success and would do anything to get it, and I think now Bowley's vision's more of a we're still striving for that success, but wants to do it in a certain way. I don't think Abramovich it's a bit ever more holistic, had a, isn't it? 
Yeah, I don't think Abramovich ever had a way. I think he, it was, you know, the hire and fire policy, the if we need this, get it. it, it but in a way, it, that was actually worth more than what we're trying to do now. I just think the way we're trying to do it now is incredibly difficult to pull off. And there's not many clubs who have actually done it. Mm. Uh, that's my that's my major concern going forward. Mm. No, I, I can, I can we, you know, understand. We might continue down this road and in five years' time be thinking, yeah, this really isn't working. Like, we've dropped even further than we thought we was going to. And mm. I just think that there's, there's got to be a cut-off point where you can... You can have your vision and your projects, and it's a bit like building any business, I guess. But if if it's not succeeding, you have to change something. Yeah, I mean, during this conversation on Canal Plus, uh, it was obviously before the game. He did, Drogba did also say they lack charismatic leaders. You need players that take on the game, that assume their responsibilities. You need a player yeah. that brings a bit of madness to the stadium. I yeah. I agree. I do agree with those points. That obviously what I've just referred to. Uh, Right. The same Didier Drogba did plead for Lukaku to return. Uh, I feel that maybe people have latched onto the quotes and just let it escalate more than... I don't think it was a complete dig at the club. I think it was (laughs) just his feel. I mean, we've got to look at how wild this previous year really was. You know, we've had the sanctions and we will recover. I believe that. And I'd argue our recruitment as, you know, when they said about the recruitment side uh it's been poor since around 2017 I'd yeah, say. You're, yeah you're not wrong there and the thing is with, with Drogba as well saying you know when he said he wanted Lukaku we all wanted Lukaku at the time you mm. know we all thought he was the last piece of the puzzle like, you know it's all well and good to kind of go back and say oh well he wanted x and y when everyone felt the same way because different information has come to light since and there's context now you know mm. I think yeah. as well uh I, I, I think I said this at the time uh, when when Lukaku was like a massive debate, it it, it, was, it must have been around the interview time. I was saying, I said then on this pod that the problem we have is our fans don't like characters anymore. Our fans have started this, to be fair. They want the Mason Mounts, the Kai Havertz, the Reese James of this world who are perfectly nice guys, but they say nothing. And they show nothing, and that's that's what people want. They the, the the fans the fans have fell in love with those players. Timo Werner, Kai Havertz being prime example. The fans really gravitate now towards these nice guy players. You know, someone like Costa now will probably be slagged off <laughs> in our team because he's a little bit erratic. Didn't mind saying stuff. Drogba's right that the, the fact that we don't have any characters now, and that is partly down to poor recruitment, but it's also down to the fans not not allowing those players to to be how they are. They you can't have a dressing room full of nice guys. Mourinho said it at Tottenham, and it's true of any dressing room. Nice guys don't win anything. You have no, to have a little bit of bite in there. You have to have the characters who will question managers' decisions. They will question teammates. And we don't have that. We have a load of wet blankets. <laughs> you know, everyone mean... all sort of agrees with each other, doesn't they? I think. Yeah. The, I don't think you need many of those characters either. I think, you know, just look at what we were like with Rudiger in the squad versus without yeah. him. Exactly. I mean, if, it's a shame that obviously spoilers for season three of Ted Lasso. If if Zava hadn't retired, we could have signed him. He'd have been an absolute character in our dressing room. I mean, <laughs> talking of transfers, to me, I know we've had, I said about poor recruitment. For me, a bad transfer move this summer would be Jao Felix for any fee. I mean, we already have Nkunku coming in and yeah. I don't believe it makes much sense to make an attempt to sign Felix. You know, he has as many goals for us right now at time recording as Alexandra Pato did. And I'm going to be, hey, I'd much rather have him return because one, he's a free agent. He's only 33. And you know who else is 33? Taylor Swift, Daniel Radcliffe, and my favourite Christmas film of all time, Christmas Vacation. So for me, Pato, he's just like a leather jacket. You put it on, still looks good. You feel good. And it just doesn't go out of style. Do, do you like Joe Felix? No. There we go. <laughs> but do you like Alexandra Pato? 
No. <laughs> but, oh, you know, come that's, on. That's, that's neither here nor there. No, the thing is with Felix is is we've all been saying it for a long time now is he just doesn't offer enough. It's all very it's all very pretty, but you know, where are the goals and assists? People can say, you know, all oh, no, well nobody's performing. Yeah, but at the same time he's, you know, he you have to hold a lone player to a different standard, you know, to a certain degree because, you know, they're almost kind of auditioning for their permanent place at Chelsea mm-hmm. and if and you know in it, even if it's a rough situation if you can't provide you know and you can't get, make up some numbers with goals and assists and things like that you can't really be a, an outlet for the team what I mean, are you doing here Chris do you think everyone's just sort of latching on to when he ran around a lot and got sent off in his debut against Fulham uh, maybe partly I mean what <laughs> I would say what I would say in Felix's defence though is yes he hasn't registered the goals or assists that we would like, but it, I mean, that's hardly a shock. He wasn't, he didn't have great numbers at Atletico. So I don't know why everyone's shocked by that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't scoring goals or making goals for them. So, but what I would say in his defence is when he plays, he does look our most dangerous attacker. He's not doing, he's not doing anything. I mean, and it's not hard, but he's, he does. I think Joe Felix is one of those where he's a good player. And I think he'd be really good in a better team, but he's not the player that carries a team somewhere. Mm. Do you uh, know what? I, I think if you put him in the Man City team, I think he looks great. He still won't get the goals and assists numbers that people would want because I just don't think that's that's in him. But I think he'd look brilliant in the the first phase of of their attacks, and I think everyone would be saying how good he looks. I think he'd be a bit like a bit like Bernardo Silva is for them. I think yeah, but Bernardo Silva sort of actually scores and gets assists and stuff. Yeah, but not massive numbers. Not for the amount of talent he's got. If you look at his numbers, they're not brilliant for how good a player he is. He's better than Felix, though. Well, yeah, but that's not hard. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is with Felix for me. Felix is like one of those, you know, those plastic prop knives with a spring in them where you sort of poke it into someone and obviously it retracts into the handle and so it looks like you're stabbing someone. That's what Felix is like. Looks dangerous, totally harmless. That, that you know... <laughs> That's that's but, Felix for me. But at the same time, I think if you were to ask me, would I keep him over some of our other attackers? I'd say yeah, because I think he still gets into better areas than most of our others, and maybe he could be worked on. Isn't, like 80, isn't it going to cost like eighty million though? I don't. The thing. Oh, I don't not think... for the price. Yeah. The, yeah. The, like... I mean, for the price they're talking, I wouldn't touch him. I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. So. Yeah, I think for me it would depend on price a little bit. I think anything forty million and under, you get you could gather chance. No you? chance. Like... They're not. They're not accepting that. No, you just of course know, you not. know, we know that they're going to go eighty million minimum. At least yeah, to me, but... I think that's what he's worth. I don't. I don't think he's worth more. Nah, than 50 I agree, million. and I, and I think with Atletico as well, if they're worried about us sending him back, they obviously don't want him. So mm. how you can? Well, they're playing better can, without him. Yeah, how you can play hardball over a price for a player you don't want doesn't make and no only, sense. Not only that, a player you don't want, but actually technically do own. Oh, yeah. that that reminds exactly. me of a certain forward that we have in our squad that's currently in Italy at the moment. Oh no, a, yeah, <laughs> we we would potentially talking to Atletico, weren't we, about some kind of swap type thing for Lukaku for Felix or something yeah. like that? I, yeah, he's, I don't know. the The whole squad needs a a, a good revamp. I think yeah. this whole the, this squad though isn't going to be fixed in one summer. I've seen a lot of people saying about how important this summer is. And it is, of course it is. We've got to get the right people in if we bring anyone in, like, significant. We've got to get the right people out. But we're not getting rid of all our deadwood in one window. It's not No, happening. it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It'd be very, very, very impressive if they did. But, th- yeah. you know, th- the thing is, it's with with that sort of thing is it's got to work for the both clubs and it's got to work for the player as well. If exactly. any of one of those three things isn't right in terms of the price, whether the contract for the player, whether, you know, negotiation on contract for, you know, uh, image rights or whatever is wrong, you know, and you, we'd have to do that, what, 10 separate times really, minimum, to, mm, yeah. to cut down the squad. So it's like, it's just not going to happen, is it? It's why I really like the whole NFL policy of... You know, their contracts and the trade policy. I just, I enjoy it, but hey, whatever. No one wants to hear that. But what people do want to hear is before that we head to that Champions League review, we now know Julian Nagelsmann has dropped out of the race. Well, how about how about I just read through all these tweets that we've had to come out in the, uh, the past few hours? So Sky Sports News, 
Senior figures at Chelsea decide against Nagelsmann as the club's next manager. Fabrizio Romano said Nagelsmann has been in regular contact with Chelsea, but crucial points were never fully agreed. Matt Law said Chelsea were always adamant that Nagelsmann was never a favourite, despite some sources claiming he was. Things have gone, obviously, positively with Pochettino in the last few days. This could accelerate. And then I've not put down a source for this, so it's got to be someone said it. Uh, I think it was Ben Jacobs, actually. A consultation of expert opinion, meanwhile, left Chelsea with mixed feedback as Nagelsmann was described too similar to Tuckle in terms of how he worked and the current hierarchy want a different profile with a more holistic outlook beyond the training ground. Uh, interestingly, that, that word's now been said twice in this episode and I've never said it before in my life. So, oh, I mean, this is so, this is really, what a day. I was about to do a workout. It was, um, you know, on the push-pull leg split and there I get my phones blowing up with Pochettino, Nagelsmann. I mean, it's it's so. What what do you make of the last four hours? I, what what else is there to say? I think everyone was even you know at, at least us on the pod at, at least and then you know around Twitter were pretty sure that it was going to be Nagelsmann. You know, he knew people at the club. It made sense. He was out of contract with you know now without the Champions League. You know, we can we were talking about with uh, Bayern Munich already over Anthony Barry. There was a lot of reasons to suggest that he was the guy. And, it, you know, for whatever reason, it seems that he wasn't the guy. Um, just a bit confusing, really, considering who's left, you know, the alternatives that are there now. Yeah, well, I, I read something the other day that said about how the Chelsea hierarchy are concerned because they know how, in, how crucial it is to get this next appointment right. Mm-hmm. My issue with that is I think that, are they going to second guess themselves every time? Because let's face it, if you've got a major decision to make and you've got numerous options, you're always going to second guess your decision, aren't you? You're going to choose one and then think, oh, actually, maybe mm. maybe the other one is better. And then you'll go to back to the other one and then you'll be like, oh, or maybe the other one's better. You're mm. never going to be fully uh, committed to the decision that you make. until you see how it turns out and I think the issue that we've got now is without them wanting to go for a serial winner if you look at the shortlist there's not serial winners on there there's they're going for what they call project managers again or Mm. ones who can play a certain way or deal with a certain squad type Yeah, are just, any are any of these going to get going to be the right person? That's the thing. All you know, of them I, are a risk again. Yeah, yeah, at this point, especially you know, whoever we appoint is going to be a massive gamble. Oh, you know, of course, of and, course. And, and it, we all know, absolutely, undoubtedly, the first sign of trouble. There's going to be people, you know, f- yeah. from who had, were different. You wanted Enrique El Nagelsmann or someone else saying, you know, oh, you should have got room. What are Bolinko doing, etc., cetera, yeah. etc. Cetera. What I would say is just. I think whoever it is, we have to give them a shot. Yeah, oh, thing, oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. The, I 100% I, back that. Yeah, and at that I agree. However, how long does that last? That's yeah, the thing. Because it, it won't last yeah. long. You lose your first three games and it's the way it's gone already. It's evaporated already. And I don't think there's anyone on that shortlist who pulls this fan base together. That's the problem that mm. I've got. Like, a few of yeah. them might pull it apart. <laughs> yeah, like everyone, everyone said Lampard was going to bring the fan base back together, galvanise the club. Nothing's happened. It looks as dead as it was before. So that's made no difference. And that's someone who Chelsea fans like. You get Pochettino in, it's basically Benitez. Right. Over, I'm go- all I'm, over again. I'm going to go and address this Poch panic. Right. I, as we've just said, all three of us have, I, I will also back any manager, we're point, because I support Chelsea Football Club. And I have zero say in who we appoint or who we fire. You know, if you hadn't guessed that by now, uh, you should have when we chose to not sell Kante to Inter for 100 million. And then we won the Champions League. So there we go. And look, considering our boardroom is made up of 90% ex-Red Bull employees, I thought, like we all did, Nagelsmann, he's going to be our man. But how about, you know, Pochettino has sort of come to the forefront and I'll I'll try and calm some nerves on this. Now, look, he turned Southampton team into a competitive machine. 
even after Liverpool performed a Thanos snap on half their squad, you know, he turned an underperforming side like Spurs into a consistent top four contender and then led them to a Champions League final, knocking out Dortmund, City and one of the best Ajax vintage sides of the recent decade on the way to that final. You know, he's got a pedigree at developing youth players. You know, that's outstanding. And you can look back at Spurs and Southampton for that. Obviously, the PSG job is the big red flag that I've been hearing. Well, look, they only get judged on the Champions League. So he joined after PSG had topped their group. As we know, Tucker was fired on Christmas Eve that season. And obviously, Poch's PSG crushed Barcelona 5-2 on aggregate, then obviously knocked out Bayern in the quarters to then be knocked out by City in the semi-final. He did lose the title by a point. Is it fair to point to that when he only had half a season? For me, no. That's just, again, my view. I mean, his second season, that was his first full season. He won the title. We, you know, we all say, yeah, they they always they always win it. You know, that's just how, he, how PSG dominate that league. But obviously, they in the Champions League, they were knocked out by Real Madrid in the round of 16, despite being 2-0 up on aggregate with 30 minutes of the second leg left to play. Ah, I do feel that the Spurs element is why people are so against him, which I do understand. But the that. thing is, is 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 that's not an element like you know you can't discount that entirely because oh no, he I'm has not. had some slightly Spursy moments, even like you just said there, even since leaving Spurs. Mm. You know, I'm that, not disagreeing at all. My that's why is, that's why I'm not saying potch out. Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying in. yes it's or a weird no. One. <laughs> I'm not saying main... yes or no because I think he's decent tactically and, you know, he probably develops some young players pretty well. But it's just like, I don't know if he's the guy. Do you know I what mean, I mean? Yeah. Maybe I mean, he's a manager to have for two or three seasons and then we bin him for someone world-class when the squad's a bit more put it's, together. I don't it's, know. It's not up to me. You know, all I've done is handed you all the ingredients on Pochettino. It's now up to the listeners and the fans if you choose to believe they will make a top-class meal, an average meal, or you can say to me, nope, those ingredients have expired. They're rotten, throw them in the bin. Well, what my do you prob- think, Chris? My problem with Pochettino is all of that, what you just said, is true. And you've raised some fair points against his shortcomings. I appreciate that. <laughs> However, what I would say is turning Southampton into a competitive side, look what Graham Potter did at Brighton. Didn't, mm-hmm. didn't, uh, didn't fare him any good at Chelsea, so... Discount Southampton. Uh, he did vastly improve Tottenham, but he couldn't win a trophy at Spurs when Harry Kane won two or three golden boots under him. We haven't got that. And that was in with, especially with um, with the, the year Leicester won the the title. You know, Spurs were more or less a shoe in. Everyone was struggling that yeah, season. Exactly, and then he. Really, he underperformed at PSG with players like Neymar and Mbappe in a league way below their own ability. The issue I've got is I don't think Pochettino will achieve much with a poor squad because he hasn't achieved loads with good squads. Mm. That's my problem. And I just don't think our squad at the moment is in a position where you can have a manager who doesn't know how to win with out having the best team. I found it interesting that Pochettino's requested in these, I'm going based on Matteo Moretto's tweets here, uh, that he wants the assistant coach who was with him at obviously his different clubs and to do the individual fitness and conditioning. Now that's been a key issue this season was lack of fitness and conditioning in the squad. You know, we've had an insane, a wild two year calendar as we know. And I believe Tuckle didn't bring his fitness staff with him. You know, obviously when he took charge midway. So it's going to be, it's a very interesting time to be a Chelsea fan, isn't it? Uh, So have you heard the um, mm. the rumours around um, Vincent Company? Yes. That seems like a... I don't... That seems like an absolutely massive, massive, massive (sighs) mistake waiting to happen, isn't it? Look, I feel that that is very much a PR move to see, oh, let's gauge it. We don't know. There's so many reports out there that even I must admit, I kind of shut down from a lot of them because are they true? Are they not? And then they're going to double back on them. These And they go, oh, no, well, it was just what we were hearing from our sources. And look, look, at, look, I learned one thing from the summer. 
Jules Kunde and Rafinha were going to be Chelsea yeah. players. Yeah. Were they? Yeah. Nope. No. That that's the thing. And these exactly. were good sources saying it. And then suddenly, oh no, 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 they weren't saying that. And they were, you know. Same with same with managers as it is with players. Don't believe it until you see them holding a shirt. Yeah. yeah there, there is there is a PR machine behind it that gets this into the media to get interest in their own clients. It's well, and, and as well as that, you know, it's about clicks. It's good for the journalists and Ooh, stuff yeah. as well. I'm not, su- I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting, you know, there are there are lots of good journalists out there who really want to perform and do stuff on merit, like Ben Jacobs, friend of the show. But love him. There are there are lots that you know they don't want to be right. They want to be first. And oh that, yeah, that is so and as, as a result, you know, you, you just get this quagmire of, of stuff. And if it's a little bit wrong, it doesn't matter because it generates more clicks that way. Honestly, it's going to happen again. Ring in the bell. That is so prevalent in the NFL's media sphere. The, it's got to be, I don't care if I'm right. I want to be first. And it, it, it becomes to a point where you're like, oh, yeah. Right. Match report sponsored by our season is over. All hail that 22-23 season. Uh, N'Golo Kante, he obviously had two outstanding opportunities to open the score in the first, in each half, and only a superb save from Thibaut Courtois prevented Kukurea from giving us the lead before half time. Real Madrid posed a threat of their own. Chelsea did deserve to be in the lead, we'd argue, with obviously Kante's forward positioning being an annoyance and Reese James floating dangerously in the last third. We pressed high, we pressed effectively, but his. His crosses created, obviously, our three greatest opportunities. However, Madrid, they're the defending European champions. They ended the match a quarter of an hour into the second half with a close-range goal from Rodrigo. And then in 10 minutes, he pulled the same trick and that was it. The boys the boys gave it everything. The boys gave everything in the game. But it was not enough. I mean, I'm, I'm going to turn straight to Chris because I know the answer, but was it as simple as same problems, different game? We can't put the ball in the goal. Yeah, partly that. I, I mean, the only reason why I think people was relatively pleased with the performance is because everyone feared the worst. I think it was one of them where we all thought it was going to be. It wasn't five nil. <laughs> yeah, I think people thought it was going to be almost embarrassing, and then we turned up a little bit more than people thought we was going to. I, I don't think it was a you know. I heard people saying after that they showed great character and energy and leadership, and I thought not really. Like I think, <laughs> I, I think that's where we're at now. Though I think when this squad put in even what resembles a football in a performance, people look at it and go, "Oh, that was amazing." Whereas normally you'd have gone, "Man, eh, it was a little bit underwhelming." We created some chances, not glorious chances. There was a, there was a, the two best was Kante's volley where he should have took a touch, and Kukurea's. Those, those was the two real big glaring chances. But then. Real Madrid literally just played the game out and then at moments in the game they turned up. I mean, the second goal, they passed us off the pitch. They literally passed us off the pitch and uh, and scored a, a, a goal that looks like a kid scoring it on FIFA. It, <laughs> it was it was one of them games where I, I do think part of it was Real Madrid allowed us to play a bit and wasn't ever really that worried about us. Mm. It wasn't an embarrassing performance, but I, I don't think they deserve loads of credit for it either. I mean, the no, performance... I'm with you there. Yeah, the performance was... I feel it was as good as it could be until the moment of that first goal. You know, Lampard obviously made the most of his opportunity by selecting a team that will run and press the entire game. And for the remaining weeks of this season that we've got, I kind of hope we stick with that same lineup. You know, we did look better than usual for the most part. And they're obviously players who should be our foundation for us building back up our, our Chelsea Castle next season. Uh, Real Madrid are kind of the sledgehammer and we are the fly. It was it was a no contest. And our problem right now is we just, it's all season. We cannot score goals. And I can tell you one thing this season. No one wants a Chelsea player on their paintball team for the upcoming NXL paintball Lone Star Major at the end of this month. They just wouldn't get a single shot on target. You know they wouldn't. And it's just so frustrating. Oh, I mean, what? Ollie, it's a huge postseason to come. And it will obviously start with reducing the squad size. How would you do it? That's a good question. I think you start actually almost 
while the season is still ongoing. Um, you know, you've, I, I, you know, just real quick on the Real Madrid game, I thought really like, yeah, the performance was okay. It wasn't fantastic. Better than recently, but really like that's not hard. Mm. Um, it should really, um, the way I kind of see it is that that level of performance should be the absolute worst that we play, really. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, at the moment, it's the best that we play. And so there's a long way to go. But what we need to do um, between now and the end of the season is, um, for me, we need to be having candid uh, and and real conversations with some of the players about who wants to stay and who doesn't. If you don't want to stay, you know, then you won't be playing for the rest of the season. That won't bother people, you know, especially the ones who don't who want to leave because they don't want to get injured between now and the end of the season because they won't be able yeah. to leave. Um, you know, so I think we want to need need to be seeing more youngsters. We're not going to get relegated because you know, <laughs> um, Everton have to win four out of seven, and um, Forest have to win five out of seven, or something like that, for us to get relegated, and it it just won't happen. No, and um, and so I think given that the season it seems well and truly dead, um, I would I would be playing the young players, playing the players that want to be here, playing the players that are going yeah. to be a part of the squad going forward and you know even if that means you know academy players on the bench and things like that anyone who isn't going to be here can can sod off to be honest i mean and, we you know, yeah we talked hit. we talked about him earlier jao felix he's a player that obviously when we signed at the time it was a risk and i was i was quite stoked to have him on on our roster i mean i really was but i kind of don't wish to see him get any more significant minutes i also don't wish to see a bamiang take up a space on the bench also, you know yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. A few other names I have on my list of like, why are you being included in our squad when you're like clearly fucking off in the summer? Working title there. Uh, Aziek, Zakaria, and Pulisic. You know, none should, and I hope, won't be here next season. You know, they don't improve our team when they do play. And bloody hell, Raheem Sterling looks like he's checked out like any of us three after a, a party is, in Vegas. Yeah, We're like, well, with, with Sterling, I, you know, especially seeing as he plays on the left a lot. We can't get rid of Sterling and Pulisic because then we don't know Mudrick what has is a left wing option. So I, I would be more inclined to keep Pulisic if you could, but ugh, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, yeah, it seems to me like you know there were the reports the other week that he was getting a bit of a dressing down in the dressing room. Um, at least you know apparently that was the player who it was from what we could deduce. But I don't know. He just yeah we we brought him in for goals and leadership and neither of those things have happened. Um, it seems like a little bit like Sterling thought it was going to be a bit of an easy ride and an easy payday. And when it turned out not to be the case, he kind of just packed it in. You know, the problem we've got as well, though, like I agree with what Ollie just said about ideally you'd want to start thinking about players that you're moving out in the summer now and start to maybe put the feelers out there to clubs, start negotiating now. So you're almost making the summer transfer window as long as it, possibly can be but without a manager it's really hard to do because whoever we appoint you might have set up moves in principle for Ziyech to leave or Pulisic to leave or Sterling to leave or Koulibaly to leave or Kukurea to leave and then you appoint a manager and he comes in and goes oh, I'd quite like to keep him actually I think he suits how I play I, I want to keep him but then I don't want to keep I want to keep Pulisic and I'd rather keep Pulisic and Sal Havertz and then you think well okay we're back to square one again that's the the problem that we're in now is without knowing who the manager's going to be or what sort of manager they're going to be mm. you don't know who they're going to want to keep and who they're not going to want to keep and that's the, that's the problem in having these discussions with some of the managers Bowling and Co will have an inkling of that right you know and they'll be able to discuss with them and say listen you know we're planning on doing some business in the squad if, 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 around the squad in the summer we're going to be getting rid of a lot of players who do you absolutely want to keep if you were to get the job you know and then everyone else is kind of fair game from the way I would see it and you know, like it's not like we're not having these meetings with other clubs either. Is you know, I think at the Madrid game we had Madrid, Barca, Brighton, and someone else reps all at the all at the uh, all at the game to what a collaboration with, with Bowley and and whatnot. So there's, I think you know, I think we will be able to shift off a few of these players off the books. And I don't think it will necessarily be too much of an issue for the manager, new manager, because I think it will be discussed with them beforehand. It's not public. It's not information that we're privy to because it, no. it's, yeah. you know, yeah. But I think it, that's the sort of conversations that I will think be happening the, now. I think the one thing that the new manager's got to do, and whoever it is, 
they have got to strip this squad back to basics and they've got to almost write out a team in their preferred formation. Let's say it's 4-3-3, their preferred formation, their go-to, because that's the sort of most common formation that you get now. They've got to write out a team in that, write out two separate 11s that, that you would be happy to play and with those people in those positions. So let's look at left wing, for example, where we have loads of players. If you think, okay, my preferred one on the left wing is going to be Mudrick because you want to play quick counter-attack or whatever, that's how you're going to set up. You put Mudrick in. Who would be his backup? Let's say Pulisic is his backup. Anyone else who plays left wing, get rid of them then because I don't need them. Mm. The problem that we have yeah, is... The academy at, look, can fill in for third yeah. choice, fourth, cho- fourth choice. You look, know? look at the end of the Madrid game. The team that we had on the pitch, no one was playing where they actually play. Right, Sterling was playing right wing back. Mudrick was playing left wing back. It's it, it's crazy. We sign a player who plays on the left wing and never play him there. Mm. We are the only club who sign a player and then put him somewhere completely different. It's it's ridiculous, and that's why our squad is. And that's why sometimes I do think these players they they vastly underperform. But are they being given the foundation to go and perform? I don't think they are. Sometimes you look at Pulisic; it's a prime example. I've said for a long time with Pulisic that when he plays left wing in a front three, his numbers are actually probably the best in our squad. If you look at him as a left winger, never plays there. Even the other day when he started, he played on the right. Mm. He it's it's absolutely insane to me that we have had so many managers now who are paid millions of pounds and they keep making the same mistakes as the one before mm. playing these wingers at wing back or playing someone who's better on the left on the right or play, trying Havertz as a false nine listen that experiment but, failed two days after we tried it it it's ridiculous the only people who play in their proper positions are normally our midfielders and our defenders and those are the ones we praise the most for performing because they're being allowed to. They're being given the foundations to go and perform by being allowed to play their natural position. Uh, I mean, you said about Pulisic. I mean, on that left side, you know, I'm, I've got this totally wrong, but it's not the point. The point I'm saying is Madueke, he didn't play, but damn, what a player to watch. And, and Mudrik, who did play, I still believe should be playing every remaining game this season because they offer so much on the offense side of the ball. And under the right manager. For me, that'll be a, a perfect duo next season. I mean, we need, we clearly need an experienced elite level striker to put the ball in the goal because, you know, against Madrid this week, as we said, we, we played good, but same problem. Couldn't score. You know, if if we sign that striker, I don't feel I'll worry about the next season. You know, we, the players are already on the beach. We know that. And I've been saying that for a while now. Towels on the loungers, drinks ordered. The game was kind of proof of it. You know, we played when it mattered. And then once Madrid scored, eh, quit. Yeah. You know, oh, you know so, sorry, Mark. I really, really am sorry to jump in. But you know what we were saying? I think it was last week uh, when we were talking about, is it quality or confidence that, that they're, mm. they're lacking? The Madrid game shows that actually it's not confidence because they can play when they want to. Um, mm-hmm. if you're lacking confidence even if you want to play well you can't because that's that's kind of the point you can't turn confidence on and off but you can turn effort on and off and against Madrid we saw a team that put in more effort than yeah. against Brighton yeah, on the weekend you're not wrong. I mean we should fight regardless of our current state you know in the game and, and that mindset needs to be changed because you know we have a strong team especially on paper but if you don't have the mindset there's no point you know an elite manager and an elite striker incoming priorities one and two, and then we can sort I think, the rest. I think priority matching priority two should be the the squad clear out yeah. as well, though. Because, yeah. Oh, yeah. The know, squad clearly. I, I, I do wonder. I'll, I'll be really interested to see this because I, to a certain degree, I don't think it's. There's no wonder that our players are so inconsistent when they play so inconsistently. And by that, what I mean is they're playing in different positions. Sometimes they're in the team. Sometimes they're not. You know, and that's the same for almost across the squad. Mm. So, you know, one part of this this sort of squad clear out, what it will do in reducing the squad, at least in my, in my view, is it will allow some of those players to play more consistently and more regularly. You, mm. Someone you look at someone like Mudrik, who when we signed him hadn't played football in like three or four months, mm. and he still actually hasn't played that much football since we signed him. And we signed him yeah. in January. 
Yeah. He needs to be playing every game, three game, two, three games a week, you know, yeah. and then we can get him up to full, full speed, you know, with that consistency that, that we expect. But I, and I think partially the problem is partially on the manager, partially on the fans, because every time someone has a bad game, we want them dropped. And that's yeah. not necessarily unfair. But mm. at the same time, is you know, how are players supposed to build their consistency? I mean, well, you this, are right. Because yeah. if we didn't have the options there, the fans wouldn't call him for him to be dropped. If you had, yes. If you had Mudrick on the left and then his backup was a youth An academy player, player or, yeah, yeah no, or someone no who's one would, like an old veteran, yeah. not very good. Yeah. No one would be saying drop him, would they? But that's the problem when you have such a bloated squad and they're all oh, yeah. of similar quality. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. So it allows some of those players to, to play a little bit more consistently that we actually want to see more of going forward. The early choices we had in the summer, you know, on, they're still leaving us with a bit of a hangover. You know, the summer signings did on paper appear to be an effective way to replace players we lost. And I believe there was so much change at the club that there was a lack of continuity. You know, for instance, we'd been yearning for a new left back to replace Alonso for years. And Kukurea was probably the best player available after what he did last season. We we overpaid a lot, you know, such as the salaries. I mean, Sterling's salary, we, we for did, example. Uh, we, did, we did partially overpay for Cucurella because oh, it we was really also did. for... But yeah, it was for also the for Colwell. Deal. Yeah, for as with him I, as well. But, I mean... Yeah. The whole, I've seen as well, the whole firing Thomas Tucker was the biggest mistake narrative. And that's on many social media outlets, you know, YouTubers. I mean, let's look, let's look, let's not overlook and forget the negative atmosphere at the club prior to the firing. You know, people were commenting on how different things were impacting him on and off the field and how he appeared to need a break. And, you know, Bowley obviously desired a long-term manager with entertaining football and data analytics and all that sort of thing. And hey, the idea of Graham Potter did attract a huge portion of the fan base in backing that idea, probably because of the whole Arsenal confidence in Arteta, you know, after they had an incredible start this season and their solid play. And it became sort of like that that trend when you get caught up in it, like yeah. fidget, fidget spinners and prime energy drink. It's like, oh, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And Todd made a choice and it backfired. You know, it really did. It appeared to be a clear error in judgment. Hindsight again, wonderful thing. The thing that does as much as people will obviously bash what his decisions have been. I look at how he built the Dodgers into who they are now. And I know baseball, football, they're different sports. They are. But the principle of hiring the right people for the right jobs is the same across all business. He did it with the Dodgers. And if you have a look at our boardroom, you know, Vivell, Win Stanley, he's doing it with Chelsea. It's just, I think it's learning on the job as well that's not helped. Yeah, that thing, uh, uh, realistically, I think, obviously, they wanted their own people in charge and, and then everything like that, you know, and that includes the managers, manager, players, et cetera, et cetera. But what, when, you, when you first take over a company, do you necessarily change everything straight away or do you build no. a little bit of consistency? Do you build that sort of foundation of stability around the club and then make the changes later down the line when people have a bit more faith in what you're trying to do? You know, it, it seems, I don't know if partially there was a lot of spending because they were worried about future FFP or whatever, but mm. in in my view, really, I don't think almost, almost no players should have come in the door until we had a sporting structure in place like we do now because yeah. those transfers that we made in the summer are going to hurt us, you know, in this summer, January, next summer as well. Some of them we won't be able to shift for years and years and years. Look at Bakayoko, he's still at the club. It shows that how poor, you know, how poor decisions can really impact you in the long term. So, and for them to not necessarily recognise that early, I think was a mistake. So, And, and there was rumours, weren't there, that apparently even during the a sort of initial phase of Bowley taking over that him and Tuckle wasn't exactly a match made in heaven. Mm. Or So it was odd to bring in that many players for a manager who you may not want to keep long term. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's the thing is they were caught in two minds and they kind of got the worst of all worlds in the end. They should have either stuck with him or sacked him day one and they sort of sacked yeah. him after they'd spent money already. And it, it didn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense. I mean, emoji time... I mean, for me, it's sun behind clouds emoji because the postseason and the summer, they're nearly upon us. That's it for me. Uh, for me, it's uh, a gravestone emoji because season's dead, Ooh. but we can all celebrate because <laughs> the season's dead. <laughs> True. Chris? Uh, I'll go with a clock 
because I am just Ooh. waiting for the actual end of the season, so we oh. don't have to talk about them playing anymore. Well, hey, we're not. Yeah, we got a lot of good postseason content. We really have. You're gonna, you're gonna want to stick with us fun. in the postseason. It really will. I mean, look, it, it's time for Lion of the Week, the mid, the midweek, you know, because there's no game this weekend. Thank uh, God. Birth, <laughs> birth <laughs> went with Modric. Chris said Thiago Silva. Ollie went with Kante, and I went Kepa. So I guess we have to move on. But Kepa did save a couple of shots, which I'm really grateful yeah, of. Yeah. Bloody hell. Okay. I, 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 would, I would love for someone, if someone was really dedicated to us, that they could go back through all our lines of the week and see how many each of us have actually got right. I would I would wager Chris is winning and then everyone else probably has like one, maybe none. I, w- I know I have none. I remember I got one right, which was Lewis Hall. I don't know when that was. Yeah, that, was good. that might have been this year. Might I, have Chris been has had last like three year. or four though, and I, so I think he. You know what I'm interested in? Who actually got our man of the match against Real Madrid? Uh, That's a good question. Hang on, uh, hang on. I will go on FopMob just to check the, what their rating was. Because I mean, let's face it. Whoever it was, it was like it's like being the best of a bad bunch, but. Just for uh, just just for out my interest, see if they gave it. Reese to... James seven point four. Really? Wow. Then it was Kai Havertz at seven point two. Oh, your favourite, Chris. It was it was who? Sorry, Kai Havertz got seven point two. He was second it... place. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. How about some positivity? Because we've got oh, yeah. we've got <laughs> we've caught me off guard there. We have got you know. The Lone Army Carousel, a game of oh, categories. I mean, I'm the really lo- worried. I'm really worried about this. I you don't like be. it when there's only two of us. Because oh, it's so much worry. pressure. Right. You know, it's a game of categories. I give you a, que- a question that has multiple answers. You guys give me an answer in turn. If you repeat an answer, you're out. If you one, get one wrong, you're gone again. And if you have to take too long to answer, you'll have till the end of Jason Cunday asking the question. <laughs> So, so the question is, Mm. oh, this is going to be fun. Name every player to have played for both Chelsea and Real Madrid. There are 16 names on my list here. And you know what? I don't want pressure. Actually, no, because he knows he's going to get one at least. I'm going to go straight to Chris. Rudiger. He's on there. Uh, Eden Hazard. He is indeed. Thibaut Courtois. Yep. Uh, Mateo Kovacic. Oh. Makalele. Oh, yes. Maratta. Michael Essien. Oh, that's such a good one. That's a good one, that is. I, um... Ricardo Carvalho. Jeremy. Oh! Ho, 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 ho. Didn't think he'd get called. I think I have to concede on that one. That <laughs> that like, I don't know anymore. And Jeremy is just uh, a beautiful one. <laughs> Seen Spurs. No, go, go I don't on. know. I've got nothing. Chris, I'm going to let you. I mean, you've won. You've won. Yeah. But Very well done, Chris. Jeremy. Can you finish? You've got, hang on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven names left. Uh, I'm really glad Ollie dropped out, actually, because I'm just thinking. I know there are gonna. Uh, I know there's going to be some really obvious ones. Yeah, there is a really obvious. There's a few really obvious. There's two that I feel that you would go, oh, he didn't know he played for them. And, oh, uh, oh I, I, actually, I think I've got one more. Mm. I mean, I, I, he's not that obvious, I don't think. But um, Lasana Diara. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did indeed. So. You could have had Iron Robin. Can't yeah. believe it. Robin played for Real Madrid. He did. Yeah. He, he literally after, left after us, us to go to us, from us to them. Because uh, uh, he was at Bayern for so long, I never knew. Uh, 
you could have also had Nicholas and Elka. Yeah. Very oh, early on. Yeah, he was, he was there when he was young, wasn't he? Gonzalo yeah. Higuain. What? Oh, yeah. Higuain, yeah. really? Higuain started at Real Madrid as a youth player. He went from oh, River, River Plate to Higuain, uh, to Higuain, to Real Madrid. You could have had Marcus Alonso. Oh, of course, he oh, was a youth player. I was going to say, gonna say Alonso. You've got two more that I feel you wouldn't have guessed. You've got Samuel Eto'o, who did play at Real Madrid. Eto'o? Yeah. Isn't he known for being from Barcelona, legend? Oh, but he did play at Real Madrid. Flipping, eh? Very early More on in his know. career. And my favourite loney that everyone forgets played for us, Christian Panucci. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone Christian for- Panucci. I only remember him at Roma. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. He, he was on loan at us from Real Madrid. Well, um, every day's a school day, isn't it, listeners? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's kind of, he's up there with like Ricardo Caresma for players. You go, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of an oh yeah remember him isn't it a little oh. bit Lasana Diara is a throwback as well <laughs> sorry really sorry is. double checked he was on loan at Chelsea from Inter Milan that's where didn't um, was. didn't Lasana Diara also play for Arsenal he did indeed yeah, he did I believe he also yeah, won yeah. an FA Cup with Portsmouth uh, the other day I was yeah. looking, speaking of Anelka the other day I was looking at the teams that Anelka had played for throughout his career he played for like 13 clubs yeah, <laughs> yeah so played for so many. I think he he ended up in India in the end. Well, that's where he retired. But he like he played across something like the equivalent of eight or nine of of the Europe's greatest clubs by the time he was like twenty eight. Yeah, like, I, I get the feeling. I'm sure that he played. Lasana Diara must have played with um, Samuel Eto'o at Angie because they went to when that you know when they had all the oh, money. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like they yeah, played there. Yeah, because they, they had did, Willian yeah. as well. Really they impressive did. team. And now that club, I think, was liquidated, I believe. Of course yeah. it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, listeners, we are at the end of another episode. So thank you, of course, for listening. Treat yourself well and enjoy your weekend, whatever you're doing. We'll we'll be back on Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday, not Monday. You know, a nice extra day off for us with no Chelsea football. But on Tuesday, boom, we'll be back. Check out the news. <laughs> Probably maybe have a new manager. Who knows? And obviously, we've got a clash against some bees on Wednesday. So that's going to be interesting because Brentford, are they on form? I feel like we just switch off because of how bad we've been. You just sort of forget if any I think Brentford are doing all right. They're, I mean, they're Better than us. Swarm us. We'll see. Yeah. So with that, enjoy your weekend. And that is us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.